Another thing I would tell my 25-year-old self is, Tula, you can be a writer and an investor. I think I had this idea that because I was going into journalism and you don't make a lot of money in journalism, but you want to change the world and, you know, you're not going into finance to make loads of money. So you don't need to learn about that. You don't need to worry right, about that. Right, right, and right. so, and I wish somebody had said, actually, Tula, you do need to worry about that. Welcome to Women Take Stock. Today, we're traveling back in time about, I don't know, 25 years or so to tell our younger selves what we wished we'd known then about investing. We aren't doing this just as an exercise in regret, although there is some of that, but as a way to share with our younger listeners what they might consider doing now with a long runway in front of them and decades to build a nest egg. And for our middle-aged and older listeners, we promise, or we hope we can promise that ship hasn't sailed. So let's keep this nautical analogy going and dive on in. Tula, start the show. No, I should do what? What was the theme song 25 years ago? Uh, something from the 80s. Love Jack oh. is a little love So to keep that nautical analogy going, Tula, let's take a trip on the love boat. No, that doesn't make any the sense. Love <laughs> soon we'll be making another let's just dive in. How about... <laughs> We are four friends all at different places in our financial and personal lives looking to pull back the curtain on the seemingly mysterious, often testosterone-driven world of stock investing. And if four women without business degrees can figure out the market as a side hustle, well, so can you. Join us as we learn the basics, buy, sell, scratch our heads, hold our breath, commiserate, and celebrate, hopefully more of the latter. We aren't experts, so please note that this podcast is for general information purposes only. Yeah, anything resembling financial advice is purely coincidental. That said, we are hoping to make a little or a lot of money doing this. And if money is power, well, we want some of that too. Awesome. Welcome again to Women Take Stock. Before we start talking about our past lives, let's talk about our present lives. How's everybody been? We've, we haven't actually met for two weeks, so I don't know. Has a lot happened? Tula, what's going on with you? Well, I was inspired by the last podcast we did about post-pandemic investing, and there were two new stocks that I purchased, um, Weight Watchers and Delta. And both of those are tied to my belief that as we come out of this pandemic and as more people get vaccinated, there will be more people traveling, especially in the summer, and more people wanting to look good when they reach their travel destinations. And I've both of those stocks have risen slightly. And so I'm going to hold on to those and see what happens. Um, it's funny, it's like aspirational investing. I'm going to lose yeah. weight and I'm going to jet. Set. Exactly. This is what America is aspiring to. So, Oh, what come about, on. It's what I'm aspiring to as well. <laughs> well, again, yes, you invest in what you know, right? That's a reflection of, of where my head is at. Yeah. Dana, so, have you been? Good. Inspired by Bitcoin hitting 61 or oh 61. Oh my gosh. I know. Actually, yeah. yeah, that's just crazy. I can't believe where it's going. It just blows my mind. Well, Dana, I have to say you, you texted us something like, wow, if, if Dogecoin or Doge, whatever the hell it's pronounced, you know, does what Bitcoin does over four years, I'll be a billionaire in four years. And I was like, oh, my God. And like, this is, again, don't invest at 1130 at night. Because I was like, oh, me too. So I, I bought $100 of Dogecoin last night while I was sitting on my couch. And then I was like, it's not going to go up like Bitcoin. It's a totally different thing. What am I thinking? Hey, that's what they said about Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe that. So Dana, maybe that Dana, yeah. did you did you buy in the dip then? I'm doing cost averaging investing. Oh, so wait, I'm well, just investing at a at 
certain time periods uh, versus deciding I'm going to, I'm going to play the system and wait till it dips. Wait, tell me about that. What what is cost average investing? Basically you just invest on a timeline every week, X amount of dollars, like $250 a week, every week. You just automate it. Yeah. Regardless of of what's happening. Yeah. A lot of the, a lot of the apps or the actual exchanges, you can do that. You just set the amount and it'll automatically buy it for you. And it removes that massively high level of anxiety and tension where each time I log in, I feel like, what did I miss? Mm -hmm. And I just know that I'm consistently investing at this point. So I miss that adrenaline shot, but at the same time, I have a comfort zone. (laughs) And but that works when you're thinking long-term, I'm going to hold this for a while. It doesn't work if you're like, I may sell this in a week or two. hundred percent. Right. Yeah. I forgot to mention that piece of it. So I'm doing a little bit of a long-term investing or long time horizon, even though I'm not 25 anymore. I know, I know. It's hard to believe, but I'm You're not. in good shape, so you're going to live for another 50 years. Oh, man. Can you imagine being 100? That's crazy. It's what will Bitcoin old. be worth then, though? My God. You'll be too old to spend it. You'll be too old to spend it. You can't go anywhere. Your Dogecoin <laughs> will be worth a trillion dollars. <laughs> Which will be like $100 in today's money. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Inflation. <laughs> JJ, have you been this past week? Yeah, or two been, weeks, sorry. Yeah, two weeks. I've been really busy on the personal front and it reminds me of that that aspect that we talked about a while back where it's good to have a portfolio for me right now that I don't need to check constantly that yeah. I know I'm looking for long-term results and therefore I I was checking it. I was probably going in and just checking my holdings once a day, which which was a heck of a lot more than you were doing a year ago. <laughs> exactly. But but just to keep tabs on it. And what's been really interesting is in some ways, yes, I do miss that thrill that Dana was talking about, but it's gotten rid of that anxiety of, ooh, I'm missing out or I'm not making the right decisions in the moment, which ironically means it's given me more confidence. I've also seen gyrations in in my stocks, especially generations. in the generations, mm-hmm. they're going up and down, like the marijuana stocks in particular, ridiculously so. Like every day, you know, up 2.5, next day down five, up eight, down four. I mean, really just kind of volatile. Yes, very mm-hmm. volatile. Like a bull and a bear. And uh, I haven't had time to go back and really look again at the fundamentals. But yeah, I guess overall, I'm feeling like... I've got other stuff going on, but I'm glad to be in it with equities and some cryptocurrency that I feel confident in long term. I have to say, I agree. Like over the past, I mean, we're almost at our, I, I don't remember, when, I can never remember how long we've been doing this, but we're doing this for a while now. And I, um, there were months. a couple of big dips recently, and then they went back up. And last night I was looking at my overall portfolio and I realized that all but two of my holdings have ultimately gone up since I've owned them. There are two that have gone down, but that's not bad considering that I have, I forget how many, but about a dozen different companies that I'm investing in. And so if I'm not invested equally in all of them, but just simply looking at the percentages and which companies are doing well, and which aren't like there's been up and down in all of them, but on average, they've gone up and and significantly. And that's a kind of cool thing to see. It's like what Dana, what you've talked about before, how it goes up and down and up and down, but that up and down and up and down is ultimately on a, an ascending line Trending if you're looking up. at a graph, yeah. right? Yeah, I'd love, I want to throw in something I've been doing the last two weeks. A little pet project is revisiting all of my holdings and my buys and sells back to last year when I started this. Mm. And 
recognizing and calculating and revisiting the stocks that I sold maybe nine months ago or the ones that I bought and sold after a month when I first started this and just recognizing where those are, what my thinking was when I purchased them. That's and brave. That's brave. I don't it, know if I yeah, could Yeah, it's a little back. painful. It's definitely a little <laughs> painful, but I, for the most part, it's shown me that my instincts and my research have paid off. I think looking back um, in time is really helpful. I see, a new, I see a new market here for like stock market therapist. Honestly, if you could look at the rest of your life in the way that you've just reflected on your last year of <laughs> investing, you'd be such a healthy person. Yeah. That's what we do in therapy. You're not. You're not. (laughs) Speaking of looking back in time. Mm -hmm. Nice. Good segue to advice we would give our 25-year-old selves. Okay. Before we give the advice to that friend, let's give everyone like some sort of visual. What was was something you wore when you were 25, if you can remember that far back? Well, I weighed a lot less, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was wearing things that were a little bit more flashy and, hey, look at me, sparkly. Whereas now I'm like, black is slimming. <laughs> um, I still wore black back then because I was out of art school. So I was like all black. I, actually, I'm not even, I wear way more colors now than I used to. Gosh, what was I wearing back then? I, I, just, moved honest, to, I just moved to New York not long before. And so I was, I remember... I was wearing skirt, like tend to be black skirts with some kind of tops, but a black skirt that I bought at a street market off Houston. (laughs) (laughs) I had this crazy, oh my God, it was so hideous. Now it's coming back to me. This like suede coat with like big fur fake trim. And it was just hideous. I don't know what it was. Pimp couture. That was pimp couture. It it sounds marvelous. Oh my God. It was horrible. (laughs) Um, But no, I thought it was fab. I thought it was so cool. Well, wait, Uh, sadly, Jen, you're making me think back to what I used to dress like 25 years ago. And I actually have a very similar style. (laughs) So that timeless upset. I went to Bloomingdale's. I went to the shoe floor at Bloomingdale's. That's, That's why I was, instead of putting money into an index fund, I was purchasing shoes and boots that I couldn't really afford based on my very low publishing. So oh, totally. Yeah. When you work in publishing and you live in New York, it's that's part Fresh. of the fun too. I will say the whole fashion-y aspect of it that I really enjoyed, but I but shouldn't have enjoyed thing it is like too much. The assumption much. is that the women who work in publishing all come from wealthy families. So you're trying to keep up with these other women who have their credit cards paid for by their parents. And you're like, I want these designer yeah, clothing too. Some of them, just, some of them, it was, that's true. I was that's out a of really my good observation. Element. And it's fun yeah. for like a year. And then you're like, just keeping up with the Joneses and then it becomes really painful. Yeah. I was all about shoes though. I do remember that. And I, and I, I didn't really care what I wore as long as I had cool shoes. But they had to be walkable in New York. Too. Oh yeah, but no, I didn't like. Fun. I like clunky. Those remember the big clunky heels, yeah. <laughs> like the yes. big stacked yeah. heels. Yeah, yeah. Still okay, so twenty-five yeah. years ago, mm-hmm. where were our heads at, and what would we have told our younger selves? Buy more shoes. No, <laughs> don't buy more shoes. <laughs> don't um, buy more shoes. Well, I will. I will say that I wish I'd been a little more careful with my money. I mean, you know, when you're young, of course, you're and not making a lot of money. I had a very low paying publishing job. And I was for a while, I was doing the corporate matching that our company was offering. So I was putting in, I think I was putting in 4% and they were matching it. And in a way, that's something that's smart because you never see that money. So it's not like you're missing it. It just automatically comes out. It's not like you have to hand it over. 
But I do wish that I had maybe set aside $50 a month. As I started making more money, I probably could have afforded $100 a month because the earlier you start, and I'm sure everybody who's listening to this has heard this, the earlier you start, the less amount of money you have to put in by the time your retirement age to realize a certain amount of gains. So Which is just impossible to understand when you're 25 because when you're 25 you're going to live forever. Yeah, right. exactly. I don't so know. What, I I disagree with that. I didn't I it isn't impossible to understand, but sometimes it's hard to come up with the money. Yeah, and I will say part of that. So another thing I would tell my 25-year-old self is Tula, you can be a writer and an investor. I think I had this idea that because I was going into journalism and you don't make a lot of money in journalism, but you want to change the world and you want to, you don't, you're not going into finance to make loads of money. So you don't need to learn about that. You don't need to worry right, about that. Right, right. And I wish somebody had said, actually, Tula, you do need to worry about that. And even more because, reason to worry even, about that. Great. Because-, right, because I'm in a field that's not going to pay a lot. And just this identity of you can do be both of those things. Mm-hmm. Like in my mind, I had this very romantic idea of what it was to be a writer and live in a, a small loft in New York City and kind of struggle. There was Wait, some kind of like when did loft. You loft? <laughs> um, actually, I, I stayed. Don't, do you remember when I lived over that movie house yes. on Second yeah, Avenue sorry, in that loft? Corrected. You did live in a loft. <laughs> wow, good I for did. You. But I was only there for a couple months, sleeping on the couch, and then I moved into that <laughs> other wonderful place on St. Mark Street that didn't have heat in the middle of winter. That nice, was great. Nice. Tula, I completely hear you here though, because this, when I was in my mid twenties, I was transitioning into a new career of being a graphic designer and an artist. And I had this total mindset of, I don't need to understand that stuff. I don't even want to be like those people who understand that stuff because I am such an artist and so creatively minded. I can't poison myself. And God, that was just such to my detriment. I really should of that was that's definitely a great piece of advice to my 25 year old I, I had that too I had this idea that people who spent their lives thinking about money were somehow lesser than we were these like you know creative so we are now people. lesser than <laughs> but I got extraordinarily lucky I had this accountant who was really smart at one point when I was about 25 I, I came into a a small amount of money, not a huge amount of money, but a small amount of money. And at the time I had blown out my knee in a ski accident and couldn't get up my six flights of stairs to my small little apartment on Perry Street and needed to find an apartment with an elevator. And he was like, you should buy an apartment. And can you imagine being 25 and be like, I was like, there's no way. And he helped us figure out how to do it. And I got a two bedroom so that I could rent out the second bedroom and I rented it out to one of my best friends. And so I wound up paying monthly less than I was paying, would have been paying in rent. Wow. I was there for almost 10 years and it more than tripled in value. And it's why it's literally why I have a house now. Wait, I have the answer right now. Advice to my 25-year-old self is do what Jen did. No, but seriously, (laughs) I remember thinking how absurd it was to be 25 and have a mortgage. It just felt ridiculous to me. I know. I looked at you and I couldn't believe how adult you were at that point. (laughs) I was like, how did she do that? I mean, part of it is like you did have help. I had help. But you did did the smart thing with it too, you know? But Tula, you just said that you couldn't believe that Jen was so adult. And- I, I would, I, if I knew Jen back then, I definitely would have thought the same exact thing. And that was such a basket case. 
No, but that's <laughs> sure. You're allowed to be that too. You can be adult and you can a be both. Yes. You but be- I think it's that mindset, Tula, that some women are brought up in, or some people have at a certain age where it's, wow, that's so adult. It's, we were adults at 25. So why is it, what's, where's that thinking shift, right? Where you feel like that is so foreign versus I can do that. That makes sense. I think also we have to remind ourselves, we're talking about New York city where Mm -hmm. real estate was very expensive. Like I probably could have purchased a, a, a small home in Texas with a little bit of money, but that's not a foreign country. Uh, but you know what's so crazy? My interest rate on my mortgage back then, 19 in the mid-90s, was more than seven percent. Think about that. My current ouch. mortgage in my house, yeah, is 2.5 percent. Yeah. yeah. Wow, wow, that's a big difference. I yeah. mean, it and and therefore, like the actual carrying costs over however many years isn't actually substantively that different. It's really then crazy. The question is, how do you make that leap? How do you shift your thinking when you don't have help, when right. you don't come into money, when you aren't lucky and fortunate yes. to be in that moment in time? How do we do that, guys? Well, <laughs> I think we- what Tula said was right. I mean, I so, so on the one hand, I'm extraordinarily lucky, but I didn't max out my 401k back then. I should have. And then when I stopped working for places that had 401ks, I wasn't great about putting aside money or I would put aside the minimal amount rather than the maximum amount because I wanted money to live on. Yeah. I didn't want to be look, living. You got a roommate. You know, you had the forward thinking to get have a two bedroom Passive instead income. of a one bedroom or a studio. Passive yeah. income. Passive income. Exactly. Yeah. Tula. Yes. 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 No, I was extraordinarily lucky. But again, like I still but had that. I had really good advice. There. My smarts were simply ah. that I listened to it. And partly because I was like going to this accountant with this office in the Empire State Building who gave me a grandfather clause. And when you're sitting there in this fancy place and this guy who has these gazillionaire clients is telling you to do something, you're like, okay. I'll do it. You were lucky you had like good advice around you. I had good advice and mm-hmm. I listened to it. I, listened I think it's, it. you know, yeah. really hard to so, do that. So 25 year olds listen to the uh, older generation, even though your instinct is to be yeah. like, I'm going to do it my own way. Yeah. Cause I did have an aunt and uncle who were also would regularly remind me to invest and I'd roll my eyeballs and be like, yeah, I'll get there. The other thing is I'll get there in, in five years. I'll be, I'll, I can invest in five years. And that time, it's a moving goalpost. It's a moving goalpost. Yeah. It seems to go back to the financial literacy aspect, right? Like we're not taught this stuff in school. We're not taught how to balance our checkbooks or how to purchase a home. And these are all things that people do or have a baby. Mm. Uh, not all people do these, but- well, we're taught how to have a baby. I mean, like, you know, I mean- <laughs> Sex ed. Kids should have mentors. JJ, let's talk a little bit about maxing out your 401k and the matching. And how do you choose mm-hmm. that- particular fund to invest in for your 401k? Like, how do you even do that? There's no one there to help you or guide you, right? Well, yeah. In terms of this advice, I think one of the issues is it's so individual. I mean, back then it was a lot more difficult. Now there's a lot more financial advice available for frontline through a lot of really good uh, sources and lots of and resources. Uh, God, but we yes. aren't giving any advice. And I was, I was really lucky in that my parents, they were very focused. They drilled it into me. Every job I had, even from the first one, I was putting the maximum amount that I could afford into my 401k awesome. with the matching mm-hmm. funds. But then you'd go into these meetings and it would be led by somebody you know, from HR or somebody they would bring in who would say, here's how it works. You have this money, you have to choose a fund and here's our little booklet on the funds. And you'd say, how do I choose? And they'd say, 
well, you read up about in them. In this booklet. And, <laughs> in this booklet. And in this booklet, it would have a lot of a lot of language that was like, at this fund, we aim to maximize your returns while minimizing your costs. This is like, that's totally oh, vague wow, and wow, not wow. helpful. 347 of that booklet. Section B. <laughs> it's so funny. Just a small yes. little aside. Yesterday, I realized for some reason, a couple months ago, I realized for some reason I was paying $30 a month in fees for my Citibank checking account. And I was like, what the hell? So I called them, thought I got rid of it, and then looked again yesterday and saw they were still charging me. And I spent two hours on the phone with some idiot at Citibank. And I kept saying, can you just explain to me what was I getting for this $30. And she'd be like, this fund costs $30. And it was the, it was the premier fund. And I was like, but what did it give me? And she couldn't answer the question. She's like, this one, they gave you a premier. And the only, the only thing I could get out of it was that my savings account in the premier fund gave me an interest rate of like 0.0005%. So I was like, so I'm paying $30 a month so I can have a savings account. Yeah. That, that right. math does but, not add up. Anyway, it doesn't. And Jen, I love what you're talking about right now. This, we go into life with these assumptions. Like I started at Citibank and then moved to Chase because they're established. They're good banks. My parents use them. Everybody I know uses them. Yet they were charging me $12 a month if my balance was under $5,000. So all told, I'm spending $36 a month on three different accounts. Yeah. Year after year after year, I basically got nothing other than the fact that they were holding on to my money. And it wasn't until I questioned that and moved to Capital One, which actually pays you for <laughs> using their bank account services. Did I, I ended up making up all this money over this one year that I had Capital One versus the 20 years that I had these other banks that were charging me. So think about your 25-year-old self. If, if you'd been well, paying $30 a month, that $30 a month could have well, gone into well, like, I, it's a huge amount. And But that again, that's $30 a month that if you'd been putting away for 25 years, Oh, don't even. So you, so yeah. actually, you guys are making a really good point, though, that which is you should take some time in For well this uh, to manage your finances and get familiar with them on a regular basis. What do you recommend? How do you become financially literate when you're 25 and you don't really have your head around any of this at all? Well, you couldn't really do this now because we've so much gone to electronic payments for everything. But I was taking money out at the beginning of every week. And that was my budget of money I could spend on lunch or drinks oh God, or whatever. So, organized. so I could, when it was dwindling toward the end of the week, I could slow down my spending. But I still thought, oh, it's just such a hassle. And I never really baked in that time to actually do research or actually sit down. It was always a bit like what Tula was saying is, oh, I will do that. I will do that. And unless you, it's a bit like prioritizing anything, prioritizing exercise or prioritizing to watch the latest box set or whatever, that I wish I would have said, okay, I don't love it. But once a month, I'm going to sit down for two hours on a Sunday and I'm going to look at one aspect. Like maybe it's I'm going to read up about something or I'm going to I'm going to get out the information about my 401k and make sure, you know, I'm investing in one that has low fees and is giving me the returns I want. I mean, I started doing this with a lot of my old 401ks. And I'm just, oh, my God, this is this year. I discovered You're I have one that I divide. <laughs> I, I do, I, yeah. Whoops. Um, oops. I did it again. <laughs> I discovered that I divided the money in one of my retirement accounts um, 
into two pots going to two different funds. And one is like amazing, like has gone up, you know, just amazing percentage. And the other one, I kid you not, up from the last few years, something like 7%. Like, what is going on? I need to move That's it out bad, of though. that ridiculous 7%. That's the average, isn't it? Eh. In the, in, Multiple numbers not in of this, years. not in, yeah. and not certainly like the past oh, over, couple of years. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think making that time to sit down and do it, to sit down. But the thing is, this this sounds so boring. Oh, I know I have to do it. But actually, if you keep it small and you keep it compact and you make it regular, so it's not some months or it's the first Monday night. There's the thing too, like saying, now oh. we have no, we don't really have a good excuse not to do that because you can automate all of this, right? There are all of these different services, Mint or whatever that I, I hear I'm like not doing it, but I could be doing it. I, I think my problem is always that onboarding where you have to enter all of your information is so tedious. But if you did mm. it, it breaks down your budgets, it breaks down your savings, it shows it to you so that Instead of 45 minutes every other Sunday, maybe it's 30 minutes. So note I, to older self, get organized. It's interesting because I've been doing this with my credit cards, not the funnest task. Like I've been looking very uh, squarely in the eye, my balances, my interest rates, and I can't wait, which I'm very close to getting to zero. So I can put that oh time into what JJ's talking about, this regular Box sets? Yes, box, box sets. What exactly. is a box set? I don't even exactly. know. Sorry. No, but to, to, to then transfer, like the healthier you are financially, the more you're able to become even healthier. It's com- the idea of compounding interest is also compounding literacy in a way and compounding knowledge, right? Yeah. So once I get that credit card stuff dealt with, I should take that time I've been spending on the credit card and apply it to, I mean, I am doing it somewhat with this podcast, of course, but I am not setting aside regular time, which I should. Um, and, and you can even do that with friends. Listen, you can take your women take stuck group and you can all decide for okay for this hour we're all going to just log on and I'll look at our we don't have to talk about it but we're doing it together like whatever it takes to incentivize you that's funny we can like we can parallel play <laughs> exactly can you imagine if we were 25 and sitting down with a glass of wine monday night talking about our banking fees <laughs> you know what one of my best friends her 20 something year old daughter already has significant money that she's side into like ella vest and some different investment accounts she's gotten her sister on board and i just think hopefully it isn't going to be quite as overwhelming and foreign to this younger generation i think it is i think they're all on robin hood right now they're all on like, robin hood yeah <laughs> And seriously, you know, it was funny. I was reading last night about Bitcoin and why is it going up? Why is it going up? And I saw some people on Twitter being like, because people know they're about to get $1,400 that maybe they don't need really. And so they're just using it to buy into some investments. And I bet there is some of that going on. The people who haven't lost their jobs and are getting some stimulus funds are like, you know, so these are middle-class people who don't normally have a huge amount of money to invest and play with. And they're like, Hey, let's, let's that's smart decision-making at this point. What are you going to go do? Buy a few dinners sitting outside in your 25% capacity neighborhood restaurant. (laughs) Right. Or a hundred percent. Her investment soon, they're going to go uh, on Delta (laughs) and fly somewhere, but that's a couple (laughs) months from now. Yes. Yes. So here's my question just to wrap this up. 
We're no longer 25, although you all look fabulous. What's your advice to yourself today? Ooh. Mm. Stumped um, you. My I've got okay. I've got one. Go. I've got one. I think it's to okay, this is gonna sound a little uh airy fairy, but it's a little bit to be regular, but be kind to myself. Oh, I can get yeah, I can yeah. get so discouraged or so if if I'm working really hard, my finances are not going in the right direction. It's so easy to just feel terrible about it and to feel like to feel hopeless, but then for that all to kind of turn back on yourself. Yeah, I, that's right. Whatever yeah. financial goals. Dismiss when, with the never talk because you know that's actually not true. You've already have achieved some of those goals. Like look back and give yourself credit for the things. Like when we started this podcast, my goal was like, I hope I can make a hundred dollars. <laughs> or some it was so low and I've achieved that and more and give yourself credit for that. You're yeah, not- I have to say like the credit, I, I think we're really bad at that, at saying like, Julie, you just said you're almost paid off. That That is That's just mind blowing. <laughs> and then take it from there. Like if you took half of the amount that you were using to mm-hmm. pay off that debt and invested that, where that would be in, in five, 10 years. Right. If you told me six months ago that I was going to make $500 off of Bitcoin, which the reason I say that is because yesterday I sold my initial investment. I still have more in it because it hit a high, I sold $500 and I automatically put that toward my credit card. Nice. So if you, I, you told me six months ago that somebody was going to hand me free money, basically, that I was going to be able to pay off my credit card. No, with. that's I, I. No one would tell you that because what you did that wasn't free money. That was money that you strategically earned and then strategically mm-hmm. took as a gain mm-hmm. to pay part of your debt. Like all super smart decision making, and that loops mm-hmm. back to being kind to yourself. Give yourself credit for doing that. That was not free money, man. That was you busted your butt trying to learn about that and figure out how to make that happen. Well, I listened to a certain smart investor <laughs> here on our podcast. Wow. <laughs> I think didn't you have didn't you have a podcast that you were following along with? To help I think you? I did. Uh, women take stock. <laughs> Yeah. But JJ, I love your airy fairy stuff, as you termed it. I think being kind to ourselves is really important because then when you give yourself a break, that also opens up your mind and your eyes to make better decisions moving forward instead of making decisions out of anxiety and disappointment and feeling like you lost out and giving yourself a break lets you make some some better decisions and have a better future. It's like women take stock where the new age meets the new currency. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> I like that tagline. D- um, Dana, what would you tell yourself right now? I, I really think the airy-fairy way is the way to go. Just being okay. kind to yourself. Yeah. Financially, emotionally, in life in general, it's the key. And I have to say, this is where women take stock for me has really helped because you guys serve as a constant reminder, right? That to sort of check it. And doing it together, it makes it less overwhelming. It makes it less boring. And so my advice to other women of a certain age is find friends Mm -hmm. that you can do this with or connect with us, right? We want to help create these communities of people who can support each other in this kind of daunting and uncomfortable, awkward world. And it's hard. I mean, it is uncomfortable talking about money with friends. And we need to get over that. And I think we're doing a good job of getting over that. I think too, that that sense of shame, it's really shameful to not be wealthy. Mm -hmm. It's shameful to 
be in debt or be struggling or you know everybody wants to everybody wants to be rich but to admit that you're you're struggling or you don't know or you really would like things to be different but you're not able to make it happen right at that moment it can feel shameful and that that's what we're battling yeah, against and no you're not alone. that's most people actually most of the population is struggling in yeah. some fashion yes and so that we're not alone on that positive note on a positive <laughs> note but- and so that we don't have to all struggle alone, why don't you all, you know, get in touch with us? JJ, how are some ways that people could connect with us here at Women Take Stock and share their stories and their ideas and perhaps some suggestions and advice? We'll take it or we'll listen to it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> We'd love to hear your comments, your personal stories. We'd love to hear your questions and we will look to answer those either ourselves or with the appropriate expert. So send those along. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at Women Take Stock, on Instagram, women.take.stock, or on our website. There's a form to fill out there. So please, we want to hear from you. That's womentakestock.com. And we, sorry, yes, that's it. We want to hear from you. We're desperate to hear from you. Call us. We'll be sitting by the phone waiting and we'll keep playing. Our answering machine will pick it up and make sure. Is it working? Is it working? (laughs) I think think it's not working. I think it's not working. All right, everybody. Have a good week. Thanks. Bye. Bye.